And this morning, I will continue to talk about the book of Mark from chapter 10, verses 17 to 34. And as we come to the month of June, let's continue to follow Jesus in this series of discipleship through the book of Mark. Now, in the movie Back to the Future, part 3, Martin McFly and Emmett Doc Brown travel back in time to the wild, wild west of 1885. But to return to the present time, they need to travel along a train speed at a place called Carson Spur. And Doc told McFly, uh, sorry, Marty, that up to a certain point on the track as they travel, they would hit a point of no return. Now, at that point, there is no turning back. Now, church, in this discipleship, there is also a point of no return where you are fully and totally committed. Remember the, song, uh, the Sunday school song that you used to sing? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. But the problem is this. We keep turning back. Now, discipleship is, to echo Eugene Peterson's, uh, what he said, is the long obedience in the same direction. But to do so, we must cross the point of no return and embrace an all-in discipleship. And this idea at the point of no return is not just for discipleship. In year 2006, I got married with my wife. It is a point of no return. Two years later, 2008, we got our first child. It was a point of no return. Now, one, uh, one, uh, one, uh, one common thing that this no return point has in common is this, that they are distinctively all-in decision. Likewise, in following Jesus, we are called to an all-in discipleship, to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. There's no turning back. No turning back. And today, I want to talk about all-in discipleship from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 to 34. And there are three episodes in these 17 verses. First, the story of Jesus encountering the rich young ruler. Second, is a story whereby Jesus took this encounter and made it in a teaching moment for his disciple. And third, is Jesus' prophecy that he will go ahead to Jerusalem to go to the cross, die, and be resurrected again. So in these three episodes, we find three important marks in an all-in discipleship. Number one, valued above all treasures. Number two, esteemed above all relationship. And number three, vindicated beyond all doubts. So this morning, let us explore them one at a time. The first one is this, valued above all treasures. Verses 17 to 25. Now, an all-in discipleship is a discipleship that is valued above all treasures. It is about what capture our heart 
and our values. Now, in this story, Jesus told the person who came to him asking for eternal life. And Jesus replied, you lack one thing. Now, it is fascinating because Jesus is saying this to a person who apparently lacks nothing. It was an interesting encounter. Mark 10 tells us that on the way to Jerusalem, a young man running after him and knelt before him. This impressive young man had everything he wanted in life. The scripture told us that he was wealthy. In a parallel passage in Luke chapter 18, verse 18, tell us that he was a powerful person, a ruler. In another parallel passage in Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, it tells us that he was young. Now think about this church. Young, rich, and powerful. He seems to have the perfect recipe to happiness. He has what the world says will make us happy. And he just and he wasn't just young, rich, and powerful. He was young, rich, powerful, religious, and righteous. He studied the law carefully and he applied the law conscientiously. He is the kind, he is the kind of guy every Jewish mother would hope their daughter to marry. Young, rich, powerful, righteous, religious. And he is humble. And he came and knelt before Jesus. Even though he is rich and resourceful, he is not a spoiled brat. Let's read the Bible, Mark chapter 10, verses 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this young man called Jesus good teacher. And Jesus replied, why do you call me good? Now, Jesus is not denying that he is good. But rather, in his reply, Jesus would invite the young man to reflect on what he attributed to Jesus in a deeper manner. Now, there are many instances whereby Jesus would ask a person to reflect deeper on what they say or what they think. So this young man, as Jesus come to him, sorry, as he come to Jesus and says, Jesus, you are a good man. Jesus is asking, on what basis do you call me good? Is it because Jesus is a wise teacher, a powerful miracle worker, because he treats everyone with kindness? Does this young man perceive that Jesus is not merely having unusual human qualities? Jesus is the Son of God. Now, Jesus is inviting this young man to reflect his own understanding about goodness of a person. And in doing so, Jesus continued to answer this young man's question on how to attain eternal life by quoting six out of ten commandments. Mark chapter 10, verses 19 to 20. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, 
All this I've kept since I was a boy. Now church, this young man replied that he has been observing the law and the commandment faithfully since young. In other words, been there, done that. The Bible also tells us that Jesus loved him. Mark chapter 10 verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now church, we know that Jesus loves all people. So why this obvious and seemingly redundant description of Jesus being recorded here? Now I believe that it is to indicate that the tone of Jesus was one of love rather than condemnation. In other words, Jesus was not out to make life difficult for this young man who is seeking for eternal life. Let's read on. Mark chapter 10 verse 21b. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now, can you see that what Jesus said in his reply? There are three things. Come follow me, sell everything to the poor. Sorry, uh, go sell everything, give it to the poor and come follow me. These three things. Did you catch that? Jesus is saying that there's one thing you lack. But then Jesus tell him to do three things. But actually, the answer was this. One thing you lack, three things to do, but the final answer is come, follow me. Don't miss this church. Jesus says, come, follow me. The other two, go sell everything and give it to the poor. These two are simply modifiers. They are there added to expose the heart of this young man, especially in this particular conversation. Because go sell everything, give it to the poor is not a principle that Jesus demands for every single person to follow him. And that's why today, you and I, we do not go sell everything we have, give it to the poor, then only we can become a Christian. But honestly, church, if that is the requirement, would you still want to follow Jesus? Now, this young ruler had everything, but one thing he lacks in his heart, Jesus. Jesus pointed out that there is one thing he lacks. And Jesus says, you fulfill all the law, all the commandment. That's great. Jesus pointed, pointed out to him. But if you really love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. Because there's one thing that this rich young man lacks. The following of Jesus. Mark chapter 10 verse 22 says this, At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. The young man, he was disheartened, saddened by Jesus' reply. He went away, not just sad, but he went away sorrowful. It was not just sadness, church. 
he was discouraged, he was disappointed. But what he heard was Jesus asking him to sell everything, give it to the poor. In other words, he did not really hear Jesus properly. In his heart, he says, no, I can't do that. I can't sell everything. I can't give everything to the poor. But he could not do that. Even for the sake of eternal life that he is so, so looking for. As far as this rich young ruler is concerned, the trade-off is far too great for him. To give up everything to have one thing that he wants, eternal life. That was too much for him. This young man cannot bring himself to pay such a high price, even for the eternal life that he so passionately seeks. This is tragically sad. He was so close, but yet so far. Now, in a book called Things As They Are by Amy Carmichael, she met with a Hindu queen in her palace. This Hindu queen was spiritually hungry. In their conversation, the queen kept pushing, asking Amy Carmichael, a missionary to India, about what is necessary for salvation. And the queen was zealous to find out the truth to a question and determined that the truth should not be withheld from her or even be sugar-coated. The queen demanded that her question should not be delayed nor be deflected. She said, I must know and I must know it now. At her insistence, Amy read her what the Bible says about following Jesus in order to inherit eternal life. In her book, she wrote down these sad words. And as verse by verse we read to her, her face settled sorrowfully. So far must I follow? So far? She said, I cannot follow so far. The queen was so close, but yet so far. She was spiritually hungry, just like the rich young ruler. But here's the greatest flaw. Both of them could not see that where their true treasure is. It is so easy to confuse surplus for security, especially during these trying times in pandemic. In this narrative, we learn something about following Jesus. All in discipleship. The kind of discipleship that is valued above all treasures. Don't love the world, nor the things of the world. It's not worth it. Treasure Jesus above all things. And that's how we have an all-in discipleship. Secondly, esteem above all relationships. Now, there is a second mark of an all-in discipleship. A discipleship that is esteemed above all relationships. Now, after Jesus encountered the rich young ruler, Jesus took the opportunity to turn it into a teachable moment. Let's read Mark chapter 10, verse 23 onward. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is 
for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Here, Jesus is using a hyperbole, a graphic exaggeration to make a point. He contrasted two things. The camel, one of the largest animals in the Middle East, and the needle's eye, the smallest hole. And he said that it's impossible for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. Now, is Jesus saying that it is impossible for the rich to enter heaven? Certainly not. What Jesus is saying here is that it is easier for the impossible to happen than for the rich to enter to heaven based on their wealth. Mark chapter 10 verse 26 says this, The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Now church, the disciples were amazed because they live in a culture that assumes that a man's wealth is an indication that God is pleased with him, that God has bestowed special favor and many blessings on him. And therefore, he is blessed, he will have eternal life. But Mark chapter 10 verse 28, it says here, Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Now church, here Jesus, when he heard Peter's reply, he did not say, well done, you good and faithful follower of mine. But Jesus took this, turned it into a teachable moment to mentor his disciples and said something precious to them. Mark chapter 10 verses 29 to 31. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left his brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. In other words, there will be a grand reversal in the end. The first will be last, the last will be first. Now, even though Jesus talked about possessions, houses and lands, it is not about material wealth only. It's also about discipleship that is esteemed above all relationships. It's not about loving others less. It's loving Jesus the most. What we need to learn is not to have unworthy love, an unworthy love at the center of our life. Jesus and love, uh, sorry, love Jesus and love him fully because that is the essence of what true love is, to love Jesus and to love him fully. Now imagine this, a groom on his wedding day promising to his wife that he will love her for the rest of his life except 
one day of a month. One day of a month. Now, do you think that any right-minded bride will accept such promise from his groom? Certainly not. Why? Because his love for her would not be esteemed above all relationships. So, Jesus is looking for that kind of love relationship with you and with me. A discipleship that is esteemed above all relationships. Church, do not give your heart to unworthy love. Today, if you are in a relationship that is not pleasing to God, would you choose to continue in that relationship that displeases God? Or will you choose a relationship with Jesus, the Christ, in a journey of an all-in discipleship? Today, we need to realize what kind of unhealthy and inappropriate relationship we have in our life over the relationship with God. Because your choice will determine what is the treasure in your heart. And it will determine the true condition of your heart. Your choice will also determine what kind of discipleship you will have. Whether a discipleship there is no turning back or a discipleship that keeps turning back, keep making U-turns. So ask yourself, how do I know whether my relationship is pleasing to God or not? Here's some simple tests for you. Number one, ask yourself, is that relationship in line with the Word of God? And for that, you need to know the Word of God. Secondly, does that relationship draw you closer to God? And third, if you were to tell that relationship to your small group members, someone whom you trust, what would they say? Sadly, there are many Christians, even leaders, who can say, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I'm following Jesus. Yes, I will serve Him wholeheartedly. But they are having relationships that is not pleasing to God. Today, you and I have to choose. Don't let the fatal attraction of this world confuse and deceive you. Because the things of this world will not last. It will not satisfy. And yet, if we treasure these things of the world, whether be it wealth, house, land, whether it will be relationship with father, mother, brothers, sisters, or any other relationship, even though they were the primary relationship fundamental to us, Jesus still called us to esteem Him higher, to esteem Jesus above all relationships. Is this because Jesus is so narcissistic? No, because Jesus is worth it all. So, let me encourage you, church. Have this all-in discipleship to follow Jesus. An all-in discipleship whereby it is value above all treasures and esteem above all relationships. Thirdly, the mark of an all-in discipleship is one which is vindicated beyond all doubts. Now, this is what validates our faith. 
Now, here in this episode, Jesus said something very staggering and shocking to his disciple. For a third time, Jesus repeated and revealed that he will be captured, trialed, suffer, and will be killed. But then, Jesus ended with this word, Three days later, he will rise, referring to himself. Now, notice the irony of this entire story that is recorded for us here. Jesus was traveling from uh, Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem to fulfill his final purpose of dying on the cross. And suddenly, a rich young ruler came and knelt before Jesus and asked him a pressing question. How to have eternal life? Jesus was going to Jerusalem to die. This young man was asking Jesus how to live. Jesus was giving his life. This young man was asking how to have life. Can you see the irony? This young man had everything, but he lacks one thing. He didn't have Jesus. So what makes Jesus so special? Let's read verse 32 of Mark chapter 10. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those followed were afraid. Now, church, why the disciples were astonished, but the rest who follow Jesus were afraid when Jesus is leading the way? You see, Jesus was walking towards Jerusalem, toward his death sentence, just as he revealed for a third time to his disciple and his follower. But the disciples were amazed at how Jesus walked with such steadfast steps with such steadfast focus. And they were amazed at his intentionality, that he was walking ahead of them, leading them the way. And why would the rest of the follower be afraid? Not because they do not know or uncertain about what is to come. On the contrary, they were afraid because they have some idea of what will happen when Jesus arrived to Jerusalem. So Jesus was walking towards Jerusalem with steadfast focus toward his death sentence. Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 34 says this, Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Now church, notice that Jesus said three days later, he will rise. He didn't say after three decades, he will rise. He didn't say after three centuries, he will rise. Note this, three days. Now here's a question. Why three days? Why not immediately? Why not after 24 hours? Because the Jew in Jesus' days have this idea that the soul of a dead person will linger around 
for three days before it goes away for good. And after that, it's gone. It is a point of no return. He is completely and totally dead after three days. If there's any hope for resurrection, it will be within the three days. And this is the case for Lazarus. So Jesus says, three days. You watch out. Mark my word, Jesus says, three days. After all hope is gone, after death is so certain, after everything is a foregone conclusion, Jesus says, in three days, I will rise. Now, the resurrection of Jesus is so important, church. For without it, our faith is hopeless and powerless. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we are believing in a dead God. The entire foundation of Christianity is rooted in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why we always proclaim that He is alive, He is risen. And the resurrection gives us the faith that is vindicated beyond all doubts that Jesus is who He say He really is. And that is what Jesus said. And that is what Jesus fulfilled. Now, in this chapter, it teaches us a very important spiritual truth that salvation is a gift of God in Christ Jesus. Apart from Jesus, it is beyond human ability to secure any form of salvation or eternal life. In Acts chapter 16, we have an account of a Philippian jailer who asked the same question as the rich young ruler. The Philippian jailer asked Apostle Paul, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Apostle Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You and your household. And that's what the jailer did. He believed in Jesus. He put his faith in Christ. Salvation is in Jesus alone. All our wealth cannot buy it. All our good deeds cannot earn it. All our pursuit cannot reach it. All our zeal cannot secure it. Salvation is in Christ alone. It is the gift of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, secured by faith, evidenced by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to end with this story. There's once a fabulously rich, wealthy man who loved his son so much above all things. Now, to stay close to his son, they began to build an amazing art collection together. And by the time Vietnam War broke out, they built one of the most rarest, amazing art collection that is in the world. One day, a letter came informing that his son has been drafted into the army to fight in the Vietnam War. And so, the son went off to war. He wrote to his father every day. And one day, the letter stopped. The father's worst fear was realized when he received a telegram informing him that his son was killed while attempting to rescue another soldier. About six months later, there was a knock at his door. A young soldier with a large 
package under his arm, greeted the father saying, Sir, you don't know me, but I am the soldier that your son died saving. And as he was carrying me off the battlefield, he was shot and died instantly. Then the young soldier held up a large package and said, I know this is not much, sir, and I'm not much of an artist, but I want you to have this drawing I did of your son. Now, the drawings were something ordinary, not much of an art gallery, but the father framed it up and hung it together with all the amazing art collection that he had. Whenever visitor came, the father would proudly show the drawing and tell the story of his son. Before the father showed the visitors all other art gallery, all other collections, he would always point them to the portrait of his son first. When this rich young man, uh, sorry, when this rich father died, news went out that there would be an auction of his entire art gallery. Collector, curator, and art expert all around the world would gather for a chance to purchase one of these masterpieces. The first painting was put up for the auction and it was the painting of the sun. The auctioneer pounded his gravel and asked someone to start the bidding. None in the sophisticated crowd made any bidding. The auctioneer asked, who want to start off the bidding? 200? 100? 50? And finally, the price went down to $10. The auctioneer asked, who will take the portrait of the sun for $10? Suddenly, a voice called out and says, I will. The bidder was none other than the young soldier that the sun had died saving. And the soldier said, I didn't come to buy anything. All I have is $10. And I bid it all for the sun. The auctioneer then started asking for any other higher bid. But the restless crowd chanted, Sell it to him and let's go on with the rest of the auction. Now, the auctioneer then pounded his gravel and sold the painting of the sun for a sum of $10. Oh, finally we can get on with the rest of the fabulous art collection, said the crowd. But just then, the auctioneer said that the auction is officially over. Now, the surprised crowd demanded to know how possibly the auction could be over. And then the auctioneer said, When I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a stipulation in the will left by the owner that I could not debauch until now. According to the will of the father, whoever takes the son gets it all. Church, whoever takes the son gets it all. When God gave us his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God went all in for us. Jesus went all in, all the way to the cross. 
for you and for me. The one who has the son gets it all. To the rich young ruler, Jesus said, you lack one thing, follow me. To Peter, Jesus said, you have everything in life. Yes, including the harassment and persecution. But thereafter, Jesus said to Peter, you also will have eternal life. And to those who follow Jesus with uncertainty, with fear, you are not sure, you have doubt, Jesus says, don't worry. In spite of all circumstances that you're going through right now, Jesus says, I have the power over it all. For three days later, I will rise. And he did. And with that, Jesus says, follow me. With power, authority, Jesus says, follow me. This is an invitation today to you and to me to an all-in discipleship. An all-in discipleship which is valued above all treasures, esteemed above all relationship, vindicated beyond all doubts because the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ has called us into an all-in discipleship. He himself went to the cross all the way, all-in, to die for us. At the cross, he went all in to die for us. Church, let's consider this again and let's, every one of us, commit and also renew our commitment to him into an all in discipleship to the point of no return, no turning back. Would you respond to God and say, Yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, for those of you who are watching this and you are not a believer of Jesus Christ, you may have heard about Jesus many times and you tune in today because you are curious or you are still making that decision. I want you and to invite you to make that decision today. To choose the Son, Jesus, because he who has the Son gets it all. Today, do you have Jesus? And how do you have Jesus? It's by faith, to trust in Him. And how do you have faith in Jesus? As simple as just trusting Him and just admitting that you want to follow Him. Today, let me invite you. Make that prayer. Start following this Jesus. And if that is what you want, let me invite you to pray this simple prayer together with me. And I show you on the screen right now. Would you, would you pray and repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for your love for me. I admit that I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I confess you as Lord and I invite you into my heart. I decide to put my faith in you and follow you today. Amen. And if you have prayed this prayer, 
I want to congratulate you because you have just made the most important and the most precious decision in life. Because you have just made a prayer to follow Jesus. Because right now, Jesus steps into your life, giving you abundant blessing on earth, eternal life in heaven. And we want to journey with you in this walk of all-in discipleship with Jesus. Do let us know if you have made this decision by either contacting us through the QR code that we will show you at the end of this service or contact a Christian friend and let that Christian friend know that you have made this prayer and make this decision. We are glad that you have made this, this decision and we will really hope that we can get to know you more. And for the rest of us, member of First Assembly, believers and followers of Jesus Christ, let us end by responding to God and singing this song. And as we sing this song, let's sing it with a responsive heart and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let's sing this song. Christ is my reward and all my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world that I could ever satisfy. Follow Jesus, no turning back.
turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I Turning. 
As we have sang this song, church, let's come before God once again. Let's continue to worship Him and respond to the Word of God. As you sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's respond to Him. Wherever you are, let me encourage you to just close your eye. Put your hand on your heart. Raise up your hand and let's pray. In your own words, I want you to spend some time and say, Jesus, I want to follow you with an all-in discipleship to the point of no return, a commitment of no return, no turning back. Right now, in your own way, pray to Him. If you're able to speak in tongue, praise Him right now. Yes, Lord. Come on, church. Ask the Lord to help us to persevere through as we worship Him, as we follow Him in all in discipleship, that we will come before Him right now. Yes, God. Hallelujah, Father God. Praise you, Lord. Amen, oh God. Yes, Lord. Come on, church. Let's spend some time to worship and respond to the Word of God this morning. Yes, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And let's pray as we conclude today's message. Oh Lord, we open our heart before you and before your word to ask that you lift our eyes up, our head up before you so that we'll fix our eye on the Lord Jesus Christ that you have sent your son Jesus on the cross, that as we respond to you, we will come before you with an all-in discipleship. No turning back because you went all in for us. Now we pray, Father Lord, that our faith, our love, our gratitude will be unto you, unto the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And let our faith be rooted on the truth that our Lord is risen from the dead. For He is reason, the Saviour is reason. And you give us the power to overcome everything in our lives. And as we pray, let us not be the rich young ruler, so near yet so far, that we may have everything, but we may not have Jesus. Our lips may sing praises, our attention may be on the Word of God, but we may not be following Jesus. So church, I pray that you will come to Jesus with an all-in discipleship. To come to Jesus to a point of no return, no turning back. And if that is you, just say a big amen right now. Big amen. Yes, hallelujah. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone says, and everyone says, amen. Church, let's continue to follow Jesus to the point of no return that we will always, always put God first in our lives. Despite the trying time of this pandemic, despite the fear, let me encourage you. All in discipleship, no turning back. And also, before we go, let me give you 
some reflection question. Number one, the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. If Jesus loved him, why didn't he chase after him? Think about it. Talk about it. Secondly, what should be our greatest motivation for an all-in discipleship and why? Church, my prayer is that you will really take time to reflect and ponder so that we will be a doer of God's word, not just mere listener. And before we go, let me encourage you to continue to pray and intercede on behalf of our land as we go through these 14 days of lockdown. Let's not lose sight of God's power. That yes, we will do our part, but we will also need God. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. So let's continue on in prayer. And let me encourage you, if you still have doubt about vaccination, go and get that vaccine. Because it will help the entire community, the entire country to reach herd immunity, to protect yourself and protect others. So let me encourage you, get vaccinated yourself and encourage others to do so. Let's love our neighbour as ourselves. So I hope to see you next Sunday. Until then, stay safe, continue to pray, and let's believe in the Lord.